five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. Welcome to the final episode of Season 4 of SpaceQ's flagship podcast, The Space Economy. Season 5 is currently scheduled to start on September 27th. Between now and then, we'll be featuring weekly interviews or presentations from other content creators. As we wrap up Season 4, we're excited. I'm excited of what's coming this fall. The Space Economy podcast is going to focus a little bit more on what the new space economy is and the companies contributing to its growth, including startups. Along with the Space Economy podcast, Elizabeth Howell will be hosting our new Earth and Space podcast, which will focus on how we use space-based assets for weather, agriculture, maritime applications, disaster management, climate change, and other areas to benefit humanity and preserve our environment. Ian Christie will return for season three of Terranauts and will continue to provide context to the history of space, including thematic narrated episodes and interviews. We're grateful to you, our growing listener base, for continuing to listen in to our podcast as we further develop our skills at interviewing and storytelling. Okay, on this week's episode of the Space Economy Podcast, my guest is Jeremy Perrin, CEO of Connectica, a Montreal-based startup offering a radio frequency software platform to test antennas. Sometimes being highly specialized can limit a business. However, there are times where that knowledge and skill set can enhance a market segment. Connectica appears to be the latter. Though a startup, it appears their combination of radio frequency expertise, software development, and determined entrepreneurs is arriving at the perfect time to tackle some of the issues of mass manufacturing of satellites. Listen in. Welcome, Jeremy, to the Space Economy Podcast. Remark. To to provide some context to our audience, here's a short intro to your company. Uh, you're developing a turnkey automated testing software as a service platform for radio frequency components that reduces the time and cost of testing passive components, active devices, and satellite payloads. So that's the boilerplate introduction. Why don't you start with your background and that of your co-founder, Jean-Mathieu Deschênes, and why you started the company? Yeah, sure. So actually, I study, uh, I study uh, in Montreal at uh, Polytechnic School in uh, electrical engineering, and I quickly specialize in um, antenna, especially for space telecommunication. So after that, I did an internship with NDA Corporation in 2010, where I had a great experience. And following this internship, I actually did uh, my final uh, project with, uh, in collaboration with NDA and other, and other students from Polytechnics. And then in 2013, I started to work at NDA. Like uh, an RF antenna designer, so I work a bit in the proposal teams and with the project team, and pretty fast I moved in the in the testing. So I moved on the floor, and it was actually the beginning of the uh, high throughput satellites with the multi beam uh, antenna. So the the volumes of components to be te tested start to ramp up progressively, and I had a lot of fun doing that. And especially one of the big pain points I just realized is the RF technician 
didn't know what to do and were spending most of the time looking at what to do, how to do it, and mainly waiting for some equipment and tooling to do it. So it's forced me to try to put in place some processes internally at NDA to try to make it clearer, starting from the design phase to ensuring that when we're coming in the test phase, everything is ready and just make the process smoother. So I did that for two or three years. Uh, I also been involved in the feed chain committee improvements with NDA. And at some point, NDA wants the uh, famous one web program. So initially, it was a 900 spacecraft to be built with a 16 KU band user antenna and 2 K band gateway antenna per spacecraft. So we had more than 16,000 antenna to be tested. So with the typical approaches we were using before, so typically compact range or planar near-field range and manual operation, it could take up to four to six hours to test a single antenna with up to four people involved in the testing. So it was, of course, a test engineer, a test technician, quality insurance, and most of the time an engineer involved in the loop. And they give me the, uh, the mandates to, to be responsible for the automation of OneWeb. So the goal was to be able to reduce the testing time from four to six hours to 15 minutes with nobody putting inside of it. So I had a lot of fun to do that. So we worked with an amazing team with MDA on the hardware and software side, and we almost built everything from scratch. So we built the industry 4.0 factory for, for space component. And given it was a good success for OneWeb on the, on the Leo constellation, and he asked me to transfer all this knowledge to my colleagues to apply it for geostationary uh, spacecraft as well. And at some point, they sent me in the active departments to try to reuse what has been done on OneWeb and leverage it for the future programs. So that's actually all everything is starting. And I had really a lot of fun to do that. But at some point, I just was feeling I, I was needed to do it for myself. And from everywhere, I was just expecting to launch a business at some points. But I, I was just not sure when, when was the good timing. And at some point, I just did the switch. So I de decided to left NDA to, to found Connecticut. And uh, I also uh, met Jean-Mathieu, my partner, which was actually the, the other piece of the puzzle, which was missing to build the famous platform we had, we had in mind. And John Mathieu has a big, uh, big um, knowledge and big background in the software industry. So he started his career at uh, Avi Aerospace, mainly building quality assurance product uh, software to, to test the uh, aircraft engine. And at some point, John Mathieu moved to CIE where he was responsible for the, uh, for the uh, modernization and simulation of uh, aircraft engine. And after that has been recruited for an internal initiative within CIE where they were actually moving all the processing from their on-premise server to the cloud because they just realized what they were making the more money was selling training instead of just selling simulators. So Jean Mathieu was at this point responsible. He was a data engineer responsible for the ingestion of the different uh, of the data from the different systems. And one of the main things he was doing was actually generating insights using machine learning to test the aerospace company which uh, on which specific points the pilot should take the training on specific models of aircraft. So this is the, the background of uh, Jean-Mathieu. And at some point, he just joined me, and then we, we funded Connecticut together. All right. So you basically had an itch to go out on your own and, and run the show. You had uh, the, the knowledge. You found Jean-Mathieu, and you combined your, your skills uh, to... Um, to then take what you had already learned and then build upon that. So explain to, because a lot of people might not understand, and, and in your introduction, you, you talked about how many antennas you were tested at about the, and the cumbersome um, 
process that it was. So explain a little bit more about the problem you're trying to solve so that for the companies that you will then license this software to, um, it'll improve their efficiency, uh, decrease their costs. Just talk a little bit more about, about yeah. that. Yeah, sure. So typically in the legacy aerospace, or when we were building uh, geo satellites, it was typically taking up to two years to produce a single one. So it was not an issue if everything was not perfectly optimized, it was fine. You had the engineering team just building its designs, then we were sending all the pieces to different manufacturers to manufacture them. And then all the pieces were, were received internally and tested according to the uh, integrator or the OEM standard. But right now, the volume is so high that with, with the advent of Leo Constellation, people right now are looking to produce several spacecraft per month. So it's totally changed the games. And all the different approaches that were used are no longer working. So what we're typically proposing with Connectica is a significant reduction in the RF testing time and cost while maintaining the quality standard of the space industries. And why the RF? It's because it's probably one of the most sensitive parameters you have to monitor during a massive uh, production. Because, for example, for let's tell a thermal testing or vibration testing, you could probably rely on the heritage or just testing a few of them will give you the guarantee that the next one will work in orbit. The issue with radio frequency is with the increase of the frequency bands. Right now, everybody is looking for KU band, K band. So we're looking at the bands around 40 gigahertz even more. So it's super sensitive to the manufacturing, manufacturing tolerances of each of the components. So there is no way to mechanically validate the pieces are good prior to testing. So actually, the only way is to test and make sure a piece every twice is good is to test it prior to launch. All right. So a little bit more basics about the company itself. Uh, what year did, were you founded? Uh, we have been funded in 2019. 2019. Uh, yeah. How big is, is the company now? Is it just the two of you or are there more of you? No, right now we are four full-time people and we have like a part-time people working with us as well. And right now we are looking to increase the team with uh, four to five people uh, in the next three months. So you are hiring? Yeah, we are hiring because right now we have too much demands to serve everyone. So we are hiring uh, and mainly full-stack developers. Uh, we also have a um, UX designer working with us pretty close. So typically we are working in a agile mode. So we have a good idea what our customers are looking for, but we are just building some prototypes, going to see them. And once at least 10 of them all agree on the set of features they're looking for, we start to implement it. Now, the people that you're hiring, and of course, we're in the still in the, the pandemic era, if you will, um, um, are they uh, working from home or are you having an office in Montreal or Ottawa? How, how is that going to work for anybody who wants to, to, to work for your company? Yeah, so we actually have an office in Montreal, uh, downtown, but most of our employees right now are working remotely. So it's actually up to our employees. If they want to go to the office, they can. We have one, but we are very flexible for them to, to work remotely. Now, since it seems to be a hot topic these days, um, as things start to open up again, are you still going to keep a flexible policy where uh, people uh, can work from home mostly or do, will you have to, will you tell them you have to come into the office sometimes? 
yeah, working remotely works pretty well, but maybe what is missing is like the cohesion between the team. You know, sometimes like the the most brilliant idea are not in a team's meeting, but not not the coffee at the coffee machine where you're just thinking about something else. So, so probably for that, I, I will probably request maybe one day per week just everyone's to come just to keep the synergy between the people. So then, so that would then suggest that the people that you're looking for would uh, theoretically be in the greater Montreal area or within distance to travel to Montreal for whatever length of time that they need to, right? Yeah, but they also could be uh, nearby Ottawa because my, right. my, my partner yeah. is living in Gatineau. Yeah, it's not far from Ottawa to, to Montreal. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice drive, actually, or train ride, depending on how you do it, or a very quick flight. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather drive myself. Anyway. So, okay, um, next question is, um, did you start with any outside investors or was this self-funded? Yeah, so, so far it's uh, fully self-funded. So my partner and myself put uh, some personal money on it just to start it. And then we passed through several incubator programs. For example, we passed through the, uh, the program called Centec uh, from the uh, Ecole Technologies Superior in Montreal. So we have been able to get a grant and be supported uh, financially and also with uh, many coaches. And after that, we went in another incubator program called Datapreneur with the University of Montreal. That's where helping the startups just to go from the ideas to commercializing AI product. And finally, we just passed through the, the Creative Destruction Lab Space Stream in, um, in Toronto uh, last year. And this gave us as well like a, a bit of opportunity, a bit of funding, but mainly right now, we still have 100% of our equity and we're just starting our first funding raise, uh, our first round uh, right now actually, and we're looking to close it by the end of the year. All right, so you're looking at your first race. You've already answered a couple other questions. <laughs> so in going through these incubator programs, including the Creative Destruction Lab, right, it takes time to go through those. Uh, there's, there's, there's work involved. Um, did you find uh, that, it was, that it's been helpful? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been super helpful. We, we have been challenged by super valuable people. But by example, we had, of course, Jan Christie, that's, that's we were already knowing before going into the program, but we also had like, super nice mentor, like by example, uh, Christine Toby, which was the CTO of Airbus, or uh, Chris Pog, which is the VP of Thales, uh, Shanti, which is working for NASA, and all these guys are just have pretty nice insight, and it's also give us a bit of exposure in the Silicon Valley, because most of the company were from there. Now, one of the things I know with the Creative Destruction Lab is that you get exposed to uh, investors. As you're looking at your uh, first uh, raise here, uh, do you think that any of those people that you were exposed to will want to be a part of what, uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, already some of them raised their hand at the final super session at CDR, and right now we're just completing all the legal documentation to, to send them our time sheet. All right. So, it seems to me that you're after a market that is very specialized. Uh, while the satellite market is growing, especially with the proliferation of mega constellations and smaller constellations, why should satellite manufacturers want to buy your product? Because yeah, right now they cannot afford to do all the testing internally. One of the main constraints they have is that they have to subcontract the testing directly to the suppliers. Because you can just imagine right now with the volume of parts that are produced, if the integrator or the OEM is responsible for testing everything internally, by the time he's receiving the first part and he tests it, if this one is wrong, there is maybe 1,000 parts on the way that will be wrong as well, because maybe there was a machining issue. So they have to be able to subcontract it. 
but it's coming with a lot of new issues. By example, how to ensure your supplier, even if you don't have any RF expertise or very limited knowledge in RF testing, to make sure it's testing according to the OEM standard, and then it's coming with new issues. So how are you making sure uh, to know what is the status in real time to avoid to impact your own schedule? And how are you making sure that all your test stations are well distributed everywhere and you can keep updates on all of them and make sure all the data you're collecting at your supplier site is standardized in a format that the OEM can leverage to optimize its full supply chain. So, so as I mentioned, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, we, we have both segments actually of customer reserving. On one side, we have the, the typically SNEs or manufacturing um, components manufacturer. So these guys are just producing parts and sometimes they test a bit of them, but it's not the, the main expertise. So this guy, we can help them with, of course, automating the processes. So they already have all the instruments available in-house. So we are able to plug our platform to their different system, and then they can, just the central authority in these small SMEs can fully define what are the full sequences of testing to be done on all the companies. And from there, it's allow you to democratize the RF testing because our platform makes sure a conventional technician, even without having a lot of experience in RF testing, can do a good measurement. So you have typically the responsible configuring everything and just the operator going through the platform, sending all the comments, and the platform is in real time analyzing all the data to determine its acceptability. That's the first part, but it's going uh, further than that. Of course, because we can manage a fleet of test station, it's of course optimized, the, um, it's involved a lot of savings. We're getting the labor because they are way more efficient using that, but also regarding the number of, uh, of instruments they need to use because they don't need to do some back and forth bet between the test instrument and their computer to validate if it's working. And another pain point on the SME side is sometimes they have a low visibility on the uh, performance variation over the production. And this is especially the case with uh, Leo Constellation, because right now everybody is building cuts components or off the shelf components. So right now you're able to monitor the performances variation over time. So instead of just waiting to go on the, on the wrong side of the, of the barrier and starting to measure non-compliance uh, components, what we're doing, we're actually capturing all the raw data and monitoring very tightly the different performances. And as soon as we're starting to see a drift, we're able to correlate that with the different elements of the supply chain to generate some insight and explain them where they should push the more in phases on their production settings or where should they uh, make the design more robust to make it less sensitive to the manufacturing errors. So this is on the SME side. And then on the OEM side, when these guys want to subcontract, to the SMEs, they have the ability to directly configure all the testing they're looking for, and then it automatically generates the test sequence for the supplier, which is passing through the world sequence. All the data is captured, analyzed, standardized, and really related to the, to the OEM that can start to optimize in full supply chain. So by example, instead of putting super restrictive requirement on each of the components at the supplier level, the integrator will now be able to cherry pick the different components at the components level to pair them together and ensure it will work at the next level of, at, uh, of assembly while limiting the waste at the superior level. So in looking at the, your business and looking at mm -hmm. how the satellite market has evolved, um, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you know, we used to, I remember listening to uh, earnings calls from corporations like Telesat and whatnot, Maxar and the rest, and, you know, and they'd be talking about, you know, we got a geo order this quarter, 
right? Or two geostationary satellite orders this quarter, right? Uh, but now, you know, we're talking about not hundreds, we're talking about literally tens of thousands of new satellites being uh, built. You know, are there more problems because of this volume that you're becoming more aware of that and that the manufacturers are becoming aware of and that um, uh, and so this is part of the solution that you're looking to to address is you know still trying to are you still trying to determine I suppose some of the issues with this volume um, uh, manufacturing or do you think you've got a handle on, on on most of the issues and now it's just a matter of getting the software to uh, to, to, to build it to to deal with that yeah so Right now, we're really focusing on the very niche market of the radio frequency testing for Leo constellation because it's clearly where the, the big pain point is right now, and everybody is looking for a solution right now. But of course, we're building the, the software platform to be addressable for other type of industries. So we're speaking about radio frequency testing for other applications. For example, the autonomous vehicle are coming pretty fast. Uh, you have all the maritime and the airplane application. And of course, we're also building the, the platforms to be able to support other type of testing. So by example, how to handle all the thermal testing, vibration testing, EMI, EMC testing. But at the end, the goal will be to use our platform to be able to create a digital twin of your spacecraft. And then when you're doing a modification over your design phase, you will be able to anticipate what will be the final in-orbit performances based on this modification. All right. So let's talk about the marketplace. Um, yeah. You're Canadian, based out of Quebec. The can Canadian market is a limited market. Um, you're also uh, uh, Quebecois, although I suppose you're I a, a French originally. Sorry, French originally. Yeah. So uh, that really gets you into Europe. Um, so that's, that's helpful. But when looking at the marketplace, right, does it matter that you're a Canadian company based out of Montreal or because of the way the marketplace is and you can... Uh, market your product uh, globally, and would there be any ITAR restrictions? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so far we, our our company, our offices are in Montreal, in Quebec, and actually right now it's actually a good timing to be a Canadian company uh, in Quebec, especially with the arrival of Lightspeed program, because there is a lot of government funding, so everyone is looking for some uh, Canadian content value on its offer. So we'll probably start with MDA and with these Lightspeed opportunities over Quebec and Canada. On the meantime, we're looking to open a subsidiary in France to be able to tackle the French and European markets. And then after that, the plan is to be able to raise a series to come back and tackle the U.S. market when we'll be a bit more mature. All right. That answers about three of my questions, <laughs> which is great, which is great. Um, all right. So... Um... So you answered my question about MDA. So yeah, MDA is is doing. You used to work at MDA, uh, and MDA of course is going to be working with or is working with Telesat. Is working obviously with OneWeb. Um, so I, I'm going to assume you have a good relationship with MDA. Yes, <laughs> so, I do. <laughs> so it's, at some point we'll, we'll 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 we might get some news that you're a subcontractor to them. At least that's the hope. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, so. Now I know this is not a might not be a fair question, but we're because you're a new company and you're just you know getting into this and you're just about to, to start going out there and getting your customers. But 
in terms of, and you said you're doing your first raise, right? So uh, I'm thinking of uh, the company having a potentially uh, one product, smaller, very niche, specialized marketplace. Have you thought uh, thought of, or is this just way too early? Have you thought of, well, once we've conquered this market, there's now other products that we can now create in the software side that will be good for this to in the satellite industry are you thinking about that at all yeah yeah, yeah. we're looking at that actually we, we already identified some competitor uh taking care of some of the aspects we're looking for by example some of them are really specialized on the test automation some others are really specialized on data evaluation but some companies just covering the three the three aspects of data evaluation automation and also connecting the supplier and all the supply chain together, we did not find any direct competitor so far. But the ones that could try to do it by themselves, direct, directly the integrator. But of course, as you know, like it's caused them a loss to do it internally because like they're just building custom solution for a given project. And the next times they need to ramp up in the volumes, they have to restart almost everything from scratch. So our models is really that we are selling them, like typically our models, models are working is, while selling uh, SaaS licenses directly to the SMEs, and the cost is based on the gain we are giving to them. So a shop which is testing 50 parts per month won't be charged the same price that a shop testing 1,000 parts per month. So this is the model for the SMEs. And then on the other side, we have the OEM, like the, or the integrator. And with that guys, typically they already have like a, a whole IT infrastructure already in place. They already have an ERP system, a quality management system, a manufacturing executing system. So the challenge there is to be able to integrate our solution within their, their IT infrastructure. And how it's typically working, we typically have like a, a bit of non-recurring engineering to adapt our platform to their uh, internal infrastructure. And then after that, the idea is we are selling them bundle of uh, SaaS licenses and then they redistribute our licenses to the supplier to make sure all the supply chain is standardized. And once we have a fit there, then we're able to go to see the different supplier and upsell our other models to allow them to optimize our production. So you said there really is no direct competitor at this point. Um, do you see that changing in the near term? Uh, everyone is super clear that there is a big latent demand for that and someone has to fix it. So if it's not Connecticut, someone else will do it. So right now, that's why we're actually raising money. We could grow organically because we already have customer and revenue, but it will be a slow grow and there is too much risk. Someone just going full pin on it and just beating us. So that's right. why we're raising some money just to be the first market. So. Um, so that mean if uh, if you raise the money that if there's somebody uh, another company out there that has a piece of the puzzle that they might be something that you might want to acquire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious um, since I used to do software development. Um, uh, when, when you say software as a service, so it sounds like you're using a lot of machine learning, you're going to need a lot of data, you're collecting a lot of data. So this is all going to be connected to a cloud of some sort I'm, uh, when you give it to the customer? Yeah, it's, it's really different. Uh, our platform is built generics to be uh, adapted according to our customer needs. So typically the SMEs are typically fine if we are 
storing the data in the clouds, but of course they have some restriction. For example, if we have a French customer, we cannot host the data in, uh, in the Canada, Canadian data center. So we have to make sure the data center are nearby the location, never passing through the borders, so all these kind of uh, restriction. But there is other ones that they don't want to hear about any, anything regarding the cloud. So our solution is also adaptable on-premise and can be directly deployed on uh, servers directly at our customer sites. All right. So uh, I think I've exhausted my questions and you've been uh, very straightforward and given us some great information for their listeners. Um, anything that we didn't cover that, that you think we should, our audience should hear about? Any, any other thoughts? Mm, I think we pretty well cover. Actually, at this point, we're really looking for, for brilliant people to, to join us, uh, different positions, product owner, full stack developers, project manager we're looking for. And of course, if some people are interesting for our future rounds, just they could contact me. Like uh, we'll just test the rounds, like uh, probably in the next month. Hey, so yeah, we'll we'll include a, a link on our uh, podcast to your website and stuff, so that people can get a hold of you. All right. Well, it sounds like you found a a niche that really needed to be filled. Uh, it sounds uh, very promising. Uh, um, so I think that's, that's fantastic and another Canadian company uh, up and coming in the satellite industry so uh, hopefully in the near future uh, we'll be able to uh, get some news from you and at that point we, we can talk again sure, it was a pleasure Mike okay well that's a wrap on this episode your feedback is very much appreciated please use our Twitter channel at the economy space to contact us or send an email to podcast at spaceq.ca Help others discover our podcast by writing a review on whichever platform you use. Thank you. <laughs>